Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. I'm pretty sure the person with me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Cap grass fever. Yeah, I think it's cap gras because it's a Frenchman who was the first person to describe it. Jerry just called it crab grass. I know. Stuff. We're all kind of screwed up. Yeah. And I'm not going to say cop gras the whole time, so we'll just say cap grass. That's obnoxious. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're not in Quebec. That's right. Um, or we're Quebec. In, right. <laughs> this is basically our, our, uh, our invasion of the body snatchers. Um, yeah. Episode. Podcast. Yeah. That, unless we do one on the invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> well, it's kind of the deal, though. We're talking today about a very, very strange and once thought to be very uncommon and rare disorder, um, a delusional disorder, a delusional misidentification disorder, to mm-hmm. be specific, yeah. where the sufferer believes that the people in his or her life, people very close to him, have all been replaced by imposters, that they're... they're like, I'm looking at you right now, Chuck, yeah. and you look just like Chuck, and you're doing a great job with the voice and everything, but, <laughs> uh, like, I don't want to say it, and I don't want to look you in the eye, but, like, you're obviously not Chuck, and what's going on? I think we all feel that about each other occasionally. <laughs> but imagine, like, that all the time. Yeah. Like, how would you just not lose faith in the reality of anything if you thought, first of all, how are people, how are they coming up with great pro- imposters like this? Sure. Who is they? Yeah. Why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Why you? Is it just you or is the whole world? Imposters. Yeah, it's it's like there's a lot of really weighty questions involved with this. And as a result, science has been trying to really figure out the mystery behind it and has failed thus far. Yeah. And, you know, we we already should say it's not only difficult on the person, but it's difficult on the person being misidentified as well. Sure. And you really don't hear a lot about that. I read a bunch of articles on this, and only one said, and don't forget, if someone, if your wife thinks that you're an imposter, it's really tough on you as well. Sure. You yeah. Know? That is kind of overlooked. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So uh, this is actually kind of a newish phenomenon as far as description goes. Yeah. Um, 1923, Dr. Capgras and Dr. Reboul Lachaud um, described Madame M., who believed that she had as many as 80 husbands. All of them the same, looking the same, right? But they were all imposters, and she never could get close to them because, um, eventually they would just kind of leave and be replaced by a new one. And she was utterly convinced of this. And I'm sure at the time they thought, "Boy, this lady's just nuts." <laughs> <laughs> but then the more people did research, the more they found, and I couldn't find any good stats on how rare it is. I got it. I heard, I heard thousands, and that uh, that means nothing. So the the one I saw it was in two thousand six uh-huh. five, I believe. The estimate was between one point three to four point one percent of all psychiatric patients have cap gras, and you can probably say that if that's close, uh-huh. then that's probably close to the general population. Because if you believe that the people who are closest to you in your life are imposters, and you're accusing them of such, they're probably going to force you to go seek psychiatric help. That's so true. that would probably be a pretty close statistic for the society, for society mm-hmm. at large. And where you really see it, though, is in Alzheimer's patients. The statistic was between 2 and 30% of Alzheimer's patients possibly suffer from cop gras or crabgrass. Yeah, but isn't that just Alzheimer's? 
No, not necessarily. No. Alzheimer's, you know, that's that can be forgetfulness. Um, it can be uh, uh, yeah, I guess disorientation. It's a this is like specific thing. you're accusing yeah. your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter of being somebody else, somebody posing as them. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So this is different than something we've covered face blindness before, right? We talked about it came up in something else, like, but yeah, maybe we did do a whole podcast on it. I'm not sure, but that is uh, prosopagnosia, and this is not prosopagnosia. That's when you you can see a face over and over and over, and still you just don't know who it is. Right. In this case, you know, like, hey, that's Josh. I'm looking at him. I know that face. But um, they've done studies with uh, skin conduct- conductance. This when they they're basically measuring the amount of perspiration on your face. Right. Which is a, it's a measure of the limbic sim- system being active, which is in turn a measure of your emotions going off. Yeah, with the idea being that if if you're sweating a little bit on the face, then that is a physiological or psychological cue that, like, hey, look at this picture of your mother. I will recognize that as my mother, and maybe my face will sweat a little bit. Right. If you are what's called a normal yeah. participant, if you have propagnosia, um, you will not recognize that picture right intellectually consciously right but your skin conductivity will go off so that means that the emotional cue is still triggered even though you don't know who you're looking at right that's the opposite of studies of um capgras syndrome yeah they'll see a picture and they will not have it's basically like they're looking at a picture of a complete stranger right and and they don't have the yeah they don't even have that they emotional recognize the response. face Right, exactly. But they don't have an emotional response. Here's the thing. They recognize the face enough to know this is my dad. Yeah. They are rational enough. They, that's the other thing, too. Other than this, they're rational. Yeah. It's what's called a uh, monothematic syndrome where you have one delusion and it's a whopper. And yeah. And it basically consumes your whole life. So they're rational otherwise. And they're rational enough to say, okay, this is my dad I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't feel any kind of emotional stimulation from seeing my dad and i should yeah and because i don't this is an imposter that's what they think is going on yeah one of the common things that the people with this syndrome will say is that like their soul is gone or their soul is missing that's a different syndrome no 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 that that that's that's linked to, to capgra because they'll recognize oh them. the other person yeah okay the I person they're looking at is that's not my mother that's not there there's right i would sense my mother's soul Right. So what they think then is that when we, this kind of proves that we make memories two ways that are connected, that we, we take in stimuli, right? Like visual stimuli, I'm looking at you. And at the same time, I'm looking at Chuck and I like Chuck. So I'm also kind of taking note that same memory that I'm forming of yeah. the visual representation of you also has an attendant um, emotion, happiness. I like you. Yeah. So when I see you again... I should feel that same thing. Happiness. Oh, I'm glad to see Chuck. That is a full memory. Yeah. With uh, Capgra, people who suffer that, they're missing the emotional aspect, and they have the recognition. And they, the, V.S. Ramachan drawn, I think I said his name right, he came up in the Mirror Neurons episode. Yes. He's just this brilliant genius dude. You see San Diego. Yeah. Go uh, Aztecs? Maybe. I think so. Um, he He said... Probably what's happening then is you have a, a secondary lesion, secondary damage, yeah. where your your right brain is very analytical, and it checks your left brain, which wants to explain everything away. And if that right brain 
analysis is damaged, then the left brain can do go to whatever links it wants to to explain away strange phenomenon. In this case, if you have that disconnect between the um, sensory input and uh, the emotional yeah. aspect of a memory, in conjunction with a loss of the right brain checking your delusions, mm-hmm. then the left brain is able to go off and say, oh, well, it must be an imposter. Yeah, well, the emotional side wins out, essentially, as a explanation right. to, to the, sort of reconcile those two things. Yeah, because it's missing, it's not diluted. The person is not delusional. It's there's an imposter. Yeah, you know what's really weird is um, another one of the characteristics sometimes is it uh, can extend to animals and objects as well. Yeah. So it's not always just people. They can, you know, that's my dog, but it's not. I know that chair is not the original chair. Someone came in here and replaced it with an exact replica. Um, and they're not hallucinating, you know. These They're aware of all this stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, imagine the paranoia that that would generate in you. Yeah. Like, who moved the chair? Who replaced this chair? What's the deal? And um, they found that it's, it is comorbid with things like Alzheimer's and schizophrenia as well and other psychotic disorders. Yeah, and it's, it's usually your uh, spouse, too. Um, one article I read said it's always your spouse is how it starts. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but I don't know if that's quite right. It That seems a little willy-nilly to say every single time it starts with your spouse. So let's talk about some of the explanations that science has come up with. Um, since it was first described in 1923, it was right in Freud's wheelhouse. Oh, yes. So the psychoanalysts had their... Um, had the first crack at it, and they swung and missed. Um, they basically said that it was a repressed Oedipus or Electra complex, right? Yeah, and that that was kind of poo-pooed pretty quickly. Um, they were saying that you know the, if you're just trying to resolve guilt about your circumstances, um, identifying your parent as a look-alike, and then pretty quickly, scientists said, you know, that, that probably doesn't have to do with repressed feelings in this case, right? Done, done. And so everybody kind of took his ball and went home. Yeah. Yeah, he's really been kicked to the curb. Has he? Yeah. Even by uh, psychology, they've turned their backs on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, psychodynamic oh, approach. And, uh, uh, sorry, Freudians. <laughs> um, that was the psychodynamic uh, approach, and that that's, like we said, has kind of been poo-pooed. Well, that was the, the psychodynamic approach was the one where it's repressed feelings. The oh, right, Freudian right. approach was that you wanted to have sex with your mom, right. so you so you resolve that the guilt from that by saying- You're um, not my mom. You're not my mom. You're an imposter, so- <laughs> But I want to have sex with you, and that's okay. okay. I'm in the Glenn Miller <laughs> version of the mood, and I feel really guilty. Um that's again, cool. again, we should say that one was thrown out. Uh, a lot of researchers think that it's a result of an actual organic cause, something physically wrong with the brain, which makes sense to me. Um, they look for lesions, um, cerebral dysfunction, signs of atrophy. And like you mentioned, it is also comorbid a lot of time with psychotic disorders, um, epilepsy, even Alzheimer's. And you mentioned schizophrenia, Yeah, which makes sense. I think bipolar is on there as well. Yeah. So other doctors say, you know what, it might be a combination of these things, like physical and cognitive causes. Which, yeah, like, like you, you have some sort of organic damage, but then you're you're mentally you're rationalizing it. Yeah. Inappropriately, like you can't accept that you're delusional because of any sort of brain damage. You're projecting it's everyone else is an imposter. Right. So that would so, be a combination of yeah. mental and, and physical. And again, it, it's your brain trying to explain something that doesn't quite add up in your head. Yeah. So what's clear is there's a breakdown in communication. 
There is um, somewhere in the brain. It's it. They Ramachandran um, and his uh, partner. I don't want to just call out the star, but Herstein and Ramachandran did a, a paper in '97 that was pretty interesting. They they consider it a, a problem of memory management. Yeah, wherein like you or I, if if our brain is to be, um, uh, if it's a computer, like it is a computer, right? Sure. Um, when we see somebody or meet somebody, we create a file on that person. And then when we encounter that person again, we access the same file and then add to it. Yeah. But it's the same file. Right. What Ramachandran and Hurstein were proposing was that uh, people who have Capra make a new file every time for the same person. But there's also there has to be some sort of link between these files. I don't yeah. think that's necessarily an app description. I think they were more onto it with... It's just missing. It's the same file. It's just missing something that the patient senses is is missing. There's right. a void there, and they're saying, "Well, I'm missing something it's because you're an imposter, and I don't really know you." Yeah, like some sort of uh, emotional identification marker. Right. Um, this is really interesting to me. They have studies that showed that um, blind people it can actually extend to their voice of the person, but other times they've shown that. They recognize them on the phone, but not in person. Yeah, that was a dude named DS that Ramachandran. So it can be both. He could. His was um, the only modality, is what they call it, for his um, his delusion uh-huh. was visual. Right. So, like when he saw his parents, his dad was not his dad, and actually, his dad was pretty cool. His dad one day, um, D, uh, DS was a thirty-year-old Brazilian guy who got into a car accident and started suffering Capgras syndrome, uh-huh. and um, his parents started to get really worried. Didn't know what to do. So his dad one day came in and declared that the man who had been replacing him as an imposter, he had sent him away to China and he would never return. And hey, this, that's pretty smart. I'm your father and I'm back. And it worked for a couple of weeks and then it just went back. The, the guy became convinced that now the imposter is back. He had Capcross syndrome so bad that he came to believe that he himself was an imposter. Wow. And he asked his mother when the real DS returns. Uh-huh. Will you still love me and treat me as your friend? Can I still stay around? And she said, I don't know who you are. <laughs> so this guy thought um, everything, including himself, was an imposter. He thought there were two Panamas that he'd been to recently. He thought there were two United States. Wow. There were doubles for everything. And um, when he talked to his parents on the phone, though, he, he didn't suffer that delusion. It was strictly Would he visual. say things like... Dad, where like uh, there's this other guy here pretending to be you. Yeah, no, like he was he very open about it. Oh, I I don't know. He would like he didn't hide it from what I understand. Interesting. Which is something I, that's probably healthy if you have Capgras syndrome because there is um there have been instances of violence with Capgras syndrome. Yeah, this one guy thought a robot had replaced his father, so he decapitated his father to look for the robot mm-hmm. inside. Um, a woman in a, uh, a, a mental institution killed another patient because she thought that she was going to kill her double, her daughter's double. Wow. So she was actually protecting the imposter from somebody who she didn't huh. necessarily think was an imposter. That is very interesting. Yeah. So as far as treating this, there's, you know, since it's pretty rare, there's not a lot of, you know, prescribed regular treatments. Um <clears throat> Sometimes it goes away. If Does it's it like, really? Yeah. Sometimes if it's like a physical brain trauma, 
you can reestablish that connection and, and things start firing correctly again and it just kind of disappears. I wonder when you come out of it, Chuck, like, do you feel like, wow, that was really crazy what I used to think? Or do you feel like all the imposters have left and all of my family's back now? Oh, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, another thing that they say, if it's linked um, to a mental disorder, sometimes it can be helped by medication that would also help that mental disorder. Um, but there really, for most people, there is no treatment uh, and there is no cure. I think it's just probably a, a long series of of sessions on the couch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, I mean, how do you forge trust that's it, you know in somebody when you... Which is required yeah. to say, okay, it's me. Everyone's not imposters. I have a false belief. When ultimately, if the closer you get to say like your therapist, yeah. the the more likely you are to come to believe that they, they're, they're going to it. be replaced by an imposter. Yeah. That, this is a sad condition. Yeah. So let's talk about some other sad conditions too that are similar. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a delusional misidentification syndrome. It also falls under uh, the umbrella of reduplicative paraamnesia. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's a mouthful. So another similar one is the Fregoli system, uh, and it was named after Leopoldo Fregoli. He was a quick-change artist, mm-hmm. and that leads you to believe that people around you are people in disguise. So not replacements, but, hey, I know that you should be my dentist, but you're really my sister in disguise as my dentist. Yeah, it's like over-recognition. Yeah. Like everyone in your life that you see and interact with on a daily basis, like your your dentist or somebody on the subway or whatever, is actually somebody very close to you dressed up in disguise. Cotard syndrome? Yeah. That is a belief that you are missing body parts or you are emotionally dead and... Sometimes they think, like, my heart doesn't beat, or I don't have bones. Or I don't exist any longer. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, these are people that really feel this way. It's pretty much like the psychological manifestation of an existential crisis. Yeah. Like, you think your brain is rotting inside of you, and, like, you're dead. I mean, you don't feel anything. What about intermetamorphosis? This one's odd. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like Copgrass syndrome, but it's... It's more complete, like the, and it's not imposters. It's people close to you switching, right? Like just your brother's now your father, psychologically and physically, the whole ball of wax. Like apparently, you see them. Like when you're interacting with your father, you see and think you're interacting with your brother if they've switched. Wow. Yes. Wow. Indeed. The the thing about this though, and you kind of get this from the Ramachandran paper. Which I strongly recommend reading. It's it's only like nine pages. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. Is every once in a while he comes, he pulls back and he's like, "Can you effing believe the brain? <laughs> yeah, it is incredible yeah. what it what it can do and when it malfunctions, man, can it ever malfunction?" But he's pointing out that like through these really really rare cases, um, you can start to get a glimpse into how we form memories and how we retrieve memories and, and to better understand human consciousness through, you know, these these very unique, unusual patients. Yeah, I'd like to think at the end of our run, you know, in 50 years, we're going to have a, a nice body of work on the brain for people to yeah. to pick and choose. And, uh, you know, from like 
alien hand to Capgras to how memories are formed and how you taste. And Myths on the brain? Yeah, it's just pretty amazing stuff. I know how do you taste? I taste delicious. <laughs> it's it's our, I think it's probably our favorite topic. Did you say 50 years? Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, I got one for you. Have you seen The Imposter? Uh, yeah. I think I talked about it before, too. It's a good documentary. Good documentary. Go check that one out. Yeah. Uh, and you got anything else on Capgras? No, sir. Okay. Capgras, crabgrass, capgrass, coup de gras, butter, all of those things. Type them into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it may or may not bring up this article. At least a couple of them will. Uh, and since I said um, search bar, it, let's have a uh, let's take a message break. And now, listener mail. Yes, buddy, I'm going to call this one uh, uh, email from a former Mormon. Former Mormon. Foreman. The former Mormon. Uh, hey, guys and Jerry, I was listening to the podcast on marriage. want to give you some information on Mormon marriage. Uh, though the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints no longer practices nor supports the secular act of marrying multiple spouses, men can still be sealed to multiple women. And I'll try and explain sealing to you, but... Even though I was raised a member of the church, the details are a little bit fuzzy because he's been out for a little while. Uh, though sealing is related to marriage and takes place at the same time, it is a separate ordinance uh, where marriage ensures that a couple receives all the legal benefits promised by the government. Sealing ensures all of the religious benefits promised by the Lord. That was a good preacher. Thank you. The two main benefits that I can remember are, one, the sealed persons will be together for all time and eternity. And two, the sealed persons will enter into the highest level of heaven of the three. Because there's three levels. Oh, okay. I found out a man can be sealed to multiple women when my parents went through their divorce. Uh, even though they went through the legal process of divorce, they never had their sealing nullified. When my dad remarried, he was sealed to my stepmother and to my biological mother at the same time. Later on, when my mom remarried, she had to nullify her sealing to my father because women are not allowed to be sealed to multiple men. Only men to multiple women. Huh. Furthermore, my new stepfather was sealed to his late wife when he married my mother, and he still is to this day. Man, a lot of uh, my intentions aren't to bash the church in any way, um, but uh, that fact that the fact that men can be sealed to multiple women is a little-known fact to most people inside and outside the church. Uh, though the church's practice of polygamy doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, educated, consenting adults should be allowed to be with the ones they love, in my opinion. And that's his opinion. Right. <laughs> I am bothered by uh, the fact that they don't inform people of their policy on being sealed to multiple spouses. That's all I've got, guys, on Mormons and marriage. I'm no longer a member of the church, but I still find the religion and culture very fascinating. A podcast on how the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints works would be amazing. And that is from Ethan Clark. Thanks, Ethan. Ethan Clark, yeah. my long-lost brother. And I, we've been asked by many uh, Mormons and uh, members of that church to do one on their religion. So we, we've we got a whole, day. we have a whole queue of ones that we have to do that's kind of piling up. Yeah. It's like before we hit the 50-year mark. It's just like one after the other, the never-ending cycle. We will add it to the cycle, the never-ending cycle, starring a Treyu. Uh, if you want to suggest a podcast and accompany it with a story or some outsider, former insider analysis, 
Um, we want to hear it. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And wait, wait, wait. Don't press stop yet. Go to our website. It's www.StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. This podcast is brought to you by BASF, the chemical company.